Hi, it's Cooper. I'd like to know a little bit more about you, the listeners. So I made a little survey. It's just four tiny questions and should take about one minute to complete. The link is at the top of the show notes. Thank you so much, and let's get on with the show. Hi, my name is Cooper, and this is A Little English. Every episode, I read a short story. After the story, there are three tiny lessons. Tonight, we are finally finishing The Hanging Stranger by Philip K. Dick. I promise... By the end of this story, you will have the answer to the big question. Is Ed losing his mind? Or has his town been invaded by bug monsters from another dimension? Either way, it's not great for Ed. Last episode, he murdered a bug monster pretending to be his son. Or he murdered his son because he thought it was a bug monster. Then he ran for 10 miles to the next town to try and find some help. I wonder how it's going to go for old Ed. Let's find out. A farmer in a field gaped at him. From a house, a young woman watched in wonder. Lois reached the road and turned onto it. Ahead of him was a gasoline station and a drive-in. A couple of trucks, some chickens pecking in the dirt, a dog tied with a string. The white-clad attendant watched suspiciously as he dragged himself up to the station. Thank God, he caught hold of the wall. I didn't think I was going to make it. They followed me most of the way. I could hear them buzzing buzzing and flitting around behind me. What happened? the attendant demanded. Are you in a wreck? A holdup? Lois shook his head wearily. They have the whole town, uh, the city hall, and the police station. They hung a man from the lamppost. That was the first thing I saw. They've got all the roads blocked. I saw them hovering over the cars coming in. About four this morning, I got beyond them. I knew it right away. I could feel them leave, and then the sun came up. The attendant licked his lip nervously. You're out of your head. I better get a doctor. 
Get me into Oak Grove, Lloyd gasped. He sat down on the gravel. We've got to get started, cleaning them out. Got to get started right away. They kept a tape recorder going all the time he talked. When he had finished, the commissioner snapped off the recorder and got to his feet. He stood for a moment, deep in thought. Finally, he got out his cigarettes and lit up, slowly, a frown on his beefy face. You don't believe me, Lois said. The commissioner offered him a cigarette. Lois pushed it impatiently away. Suit yourself. The commissioner moved over to the window and stood for a time, looking out at the town of Oak Grove. I believe you, he said abruptly. Lois sagged, thank God. So you got away. The commissioner shook his head. You were down in your cellar instead of at work. A freak chance. One in a million. Lois sipped some of the black coffee they had brought him. I have a theory, he murmured. What is it? About them. Who they are. They take over one area at a time starting at the top, the highest level of authority, working down from there in a widening circle. When they're firmly in control, they go on to the next town. They spread slowly, very gradually. I think it's been going on for a long time. A long time? Thousands of years. I don't think it's new. Why do you say that? When I was a kid, a picture they showed us in Bible League, a religious picture, an old print, the enemy gods defeated by Jehovah, Moloch, Beelzebub, Moab, Balin, Ashtaroth. So? They were all represented by figures. Lois looked up at the commissioner. Beelzebub was represented as a giant fly. The commissioner grunted. An old struggle. They've been defeated. The Bible is an account of their defeats. They make gains, but finally they are defeated. Why defeated? They can't get everyone. They didn't get me. And they never got the Hebrews. 
The Hebrews carried the message to the whole world. The realization of the danger. The two men on the bus, I think they understood, had escaped like I did. He clenched his fists. I killed one of them. I made a mistake. I was afraid to take a chance. The commissioner nodded. Yes, they undoubtedly had escaped, as you did. Freak accidents. But the rest of the town was firmly in control. He turned from the window. Well, Mr. Loyce, you seem to have everything figured out. Not everything. The hanging man. The dead man hanging from the lamppost. I don't understand that. Why? Why did they deliberately hang him there? Well, that would seem simple. The commissioner smiled faintly. Bait. Lois stiffened. His heart stopped beating. Bait. What do you mean? To draw you out. Make you declare yourself. So they'd know who was under control and who had escaped. Lois recoiled with horror. Then they expected failures. They anticipated, he broke off. They were ready with a trap. And you showed yourself. You reacted. You made yourself known. The commissioner abruptly moved toward the door. Come along, Lois. There's a lot to do. We must get moving. There's no time to waste. Lois started slowly to his feet, numbed. And the man? Who was the man? I never saw him before. He wasn't a local man. He was a stranger. All muddy and dirty. His face cut, slashed. There was a strange look on the commissioner's face as he answered. Maybe, he said softly. You'll understand that too. Come along with me, Mr. Loyce. He held the door open, his eyes gleaming. Loyce caught a glimpse of the street in front of the police station. Policemen, a platform of some sort, a telephone pole, and a rope. Right this way, the commissioner said, smiling coldly. As the sun set, the vice president of the Oak Grove Merchants Bank came up out of the vault, through the heavy time locks, put on his hat and coat, and hurried outside onto the sidewalk. Only a few people were there, hurrying home to dinner. 
Good night, the guard said, locking the door after him. Good night, Clarence Mason murmured. He started along the street towards his car. He was tired. He had been working all day down in the vault, examining the layout of the safety deposit boxes to see if there was room for another tier. He was glad to be finished. At the corner, he halted. The street lights had not yet come on. The street was dim. Everything was vague. He looked around and froze. From the telephone pole in front of the police station, something large and shapeless hung. It moved a little with the wind. What the hell was it? Mason approached it warily. He wanted to get home. He was tired and hungry. He thought of his wife, his kids, a hot meal on the dinner table. But there was something about the dark bundle. Something ominous and ugly. The light was bad. He couldn't tell what it was. Yet it drew him on, made him move closer for a better look. The shapeless thing made him uneasy. He was frightened by it. Frightened and fascinated. And the strange part was that nobody else seemed to notice it. That's the end. Did you guess right? Did it scare you? It scared me the first time that I read it. And, um, there is one thing I want to talk about. The story gets very biblical at the end. So, it talks about, it talks about Beelzebub and demons and stuff, and it also mentions the Hebrews. So, that word is kind of a problem. There is a language, Hebrew, which people speak in Israel today. And that word is used in the Bible to refer to early Jewish people thousands of years ago. But these days, it is super not okay to call Jewish people Hebrews in English. 
This story is 60 years old, and things were different back then. But today, not okay. Anyway, I talked to my university students, and I asked them, do you want to have a scary story next or a fun one? They said they want horror. So, okay, more horror. We are going to do two shorter stories next, and then maybe a longer one. All by Philip K. Dick. I hope you enjoy. Let's have some lessons. So the big picture is pretty clear to see. Was Ed crazy? Or was his town invaded by bug people? How do you know? Maybe pause and think about it for a minute. Yep, the bug people were real. And how do we know? Because they uh, caught him in the next town and hung him from the lamppost as bait to draw out anyone else who escaped their mind control. Ed became the Hanging Stranger. Poor Ed. Do you still feel like dancing at the Dictionary Disco? I've got two good words for you from the end of this story. The first one is vague. It means uncertain or unclear. Like when you ask your teenager where they were and they say, oh, you know, around. Very vague. The second one is ominous, as in something ominous and ugly. It means something that gives you the feeling that something horrible is going to happen. Like this whole story is pretty ominous. And uh, maybe a melody moment? Are you tired of hearing about voicing yet? Let me share one more that kind of blew my mind when I figured it out. The letters F and V make almost the same sound. The only difference between and is voicing. Maybe that's not such a surprise for you, but it was pretty big for me. I always thought of them as totally different sounds, but they're really not. Here, try this. <laughs> 
Say fan. Then say van. Now say leaf and leave. Do it again and pay attention to the position of your lips, teeth, jaw, and tongue. They're exactly the same. The only difference is in the vibration in your throat. Wild. Let's do the credits. Thank you for listening to Season 2, Episode 4 of A Little English. Every episode is produced entirely by me, Edward Cooper Howland, here in Hiroshima, Japan. If you like the show, tell someone about it. A recommendation from a friend is the best way to get someone to listen, and I would really appreciate it. The stories I read are in the public domain, and I get them from standardebooks.org, which is a really good website, and you should check it out. Again, thank you so much for listening. For now, be kind to yourselves and to each other. <laughs>